When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hooker Show, a presentation of Off the Hook Sports, objective insight, expertise, top guests, available on YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and the Off the Hook Sports app. Download now for free. Also available on offthehooksports.com. I compute and obey. Now, today, Hooker. Well, Tennessee's run into the College World Series and the college baseball postseason comes to an end. We have plenty to talk about, including a new Tennessee commitment. So the Vols added another one uh, to the fold. We'll talk about Jordan Burns. How big of a deal is he? Pretty, pretty big deal. I'll go ahead and tell you and give you an idea where I think Tennessee recruiting goes next. Also, Alabama coach Nick Saban with Joel Klatt, who we really like, uh, says that his team should have made the college football playoff because Vegas favored them over three of the four teams. What? Are we going to start using bookmakers to determine who makes the uh, college football playoff? That should be really interesting. My question is, is Nick Saban desperate for that last title? And I'm leaning towards yes. Brad Crawford says Josh Heupel will receive a top 10 coaching merit after this year, but he's not in the top 10 right now. That sounds a little bit crazy, but I kind of get it. And Smokey Hot Takes, will Josh Heupel's offense ever be figured out? How are you, Caleb Calhoun, sir? I am good, Dave. Watched that game last night. Uh, yep, Phil, sorry for Tennessee fans. We feel sorry for our boy, Jaru. I, I bet I bet he really wanted the extra weekend in Omaha just to chill. I mean, wouldn't you? 
<laughs> yeah, but I don't know for sure if the de Department of Journalism was going to pay for that. I was actually going to step up to the plate and offer to pay for that. I don't know if it would have worked out with uh, plane rides and all that stuff, but I was going to step up to the plate, but we don't have to tell him that, Caleb, because then that'll just hurt his feelings. He'll be like, oh, man. <laughs> well, so Jaru's done it. You've done it. I, I'm, the, I'm the only one who's never uh, traveled to cover games uh, on a regular basis in any time of my journalistic career. I feel like they say as journalists, you're not supposed to have rooting interest. But come on, Dave, sometimes you have rooting interest because you want to go somewhere, don't you? Oh, I got rooting interest for Dave all day long. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's not all about the teams I cover sometimes. It's all about Dave. And NCAA tournament's the greatest example. Yeah, I wanted Tennessee to win a lot of those games so I could go to the Final Four. You got that North Carolina game. What was that, 2000, where Tennessee should have beaten North Carolina? Yeah, Dave was all on board the Dave train. Um, I was not ready to start the offseason. The offseason for me didn't include baseball because they weren't that significant. But, the, you know, the offseason for me was kind of over because you had recruiting tied into February. You didn't have an early signing period. But I was all for extending trips um, and Tennessee advancing in the NCAA tournament. So I was, ever, was. Go ahead. Was there ever a time you wanted Tennessee to lose and maybe not win the East in football because you just didn't feel like going to Atlanta that extra week to cover game? <laughs> no, and I'll tell you why. Um, that, that's a to me, that's a very special game, which is why sometimes you'll, you'll probably wonder why I have a strong reaction when, when you say drop the championship games. I still think that means an awful lot, not as much as it did in early 2000s, but I love that event. Uh, it's also good networking. You get to see people you don't see. So I always love that. Um, have there been times where I wanted maybe Tennessee to not look great? I've never rooted for or against a team I've covered. I put that aside way back after Peyton Manning's last game in the Orange Bowl. I think I told you that. And uh, that would have been 1998 leading into the 98 season. So I had to put my fandom aside. Have there been times where I wanted them to maybe stumble a little bit and go closer to home, like Atlanta for the Peach Bowl instead of Dallas for the Cotton Bowl? Yeah, but you learned really quick. You just got to kind of take them as they come. So I I've definitely done that. But, yeah, I was going to – don't even tell him. Don't even tell him I was going to surprise Drew and I was going to pick up the tab for him to stay there. Because that would stink, wouldn't it, if Tennessee advanced – and the UT Department of Journalism says, come on home. Come on yeah, home. That, I, that would be awful. I couldn't imagine them doing that, though. Kudos to Giroux, though. By the way, he said they'll probably lose to Skeens in the first game. And they were really never in that game. And then they will probably win the second game. This is He called this. I don't know if he said it with you while I was uh, at. Oh, uh, yeah. He called both of those. Yeah. And then he's, but the one thing he was wrong on is he thought Tennessee's bullpen would outlast a matchup with LSU and, and a potential rematch. And that didn't happen. A lot of reasons why Tennessee lost. So we asked today's tough question. Today's tough question is brought to you by our friends at Zen Sports. Today's tough question is now. Today's tough question. Take a side. Take a stand. The Dave Hooker Show, a presentation of OffTheHookSports.com. 
Today's tough question brought to you by Zen Sports deals with Tennessee baseball. And the question I will ask you very simply is Tennessee, was there season that culminated with a 5-0 loss to LSU a success a failure or something else i will ask you that question and go ahead and fill in the message board because we want to hear what you have to say zen sports the new sports book in tennessee revolutionizing the way you earn sports betting rewards that means no more deposit bonuses that turn into deposit nightmares on Zen Sports, what you see is what you get. And with their cash rewards program, you get a lot of cash. For a welcome bonus, earn an unlimited 5% cash back on your betting volume for your first 15 days when you sign with the code HOOKED. That's right. Unlimited 5% cash back. Keep betting. Keep earning with up to 3% cash back on your betting volume every month after that. And refer friends to earn a percentage of their betting volume as cash rewards to Zen Sports is bringing the cash back to Tennessee so if you bet big on sports, you want to be betting on Zen Sports. Zen Sports betting just got better. So 5-0 lost LSU last night. Tennessee wins a game in the College World Series. And for all of the talk of last year's team, and they were so exciting, they didn't do that last year. They didn't make it to Omaha. So is this a success, a failure, or something else. And if you pick something else, I want you to fill in the blank. To me, I think this team was overrated from the get because they got a ton of pub. And I do think there are, unfortunately, some journalists that like to play the game a little bit and like to beef up a team that maybe the year before were kind of jerks. And Tennessee was jerks last year. I enjoyed it. I had no problem with it. Some of my favorite teams of all times were jerks. I was a Dallas Cowboys fan in the early 90s, so I don't mean jerks in a bad way. But I do think some people pumped up Tennessee a little bit in the beginning for whatever reason, and Tony Vitello said that. He said they had lost an awful lot a lot of players, and I think making the College World Series, especially winning the game, had they just made it, I think is a huge, huge success. And I'm I'm not over-exaggerating, but Caleb, Caleb, I'm curious what you think. Was this a success, failure, or something else? Today's tough question brought to you by Zen Sports. I don't think it's even a question. It's success. I mean, they Tennessee, how many they've made, let's see, 1951, 1994, 2001, 2005, 2020. This is only their sixth College World Series in school history. And nobody thought they were getting there in the middle of this year. Nobody thought they were getting there. So it, they get there. It's, it's by, by definition, I, I judge, I, I judge baseball seasons on championships and college world series appearances. I think Tennessee has like three sec championships, six college world series appearances. Only one year does that crossover. So they only have eight such seasons like this. Okay. So this is one of the eight best seasons in school history by any metric you use. And that's a big success. They, they won their first walk. This was their first College World Series win, not last night, the night before when they beat Stanford. That was their first College World Series win since 2001 when Chris Burke was the leader of that team, which is a huge deal. So relative to where Tennessee was, this is a huge success. You're right. People really 
people try to act like this what they did this year was underwhelming. Well, they went further than last year, but it's it kind of reminds me of Dave. Do you remember the team, the Tennessee basketball team under Bruce Pearl, the year after Chris Lofton left? And they had Tyler Smith and they were picked to win the SEC. And they didn't win the SEC. And they were considered a disappointment. But in my mind, I thought everybody forgot. They lost Chris Lofton. They lost Jawan Smith. They lost some key, like they, the most crucial production from that team the year before they lost. And everybody thought they would just maintain what they were doing. And I feel like the same kind of thing was happening with the baseball team this year, despite the fact that they had to integrate guys into the roles pretty late into the year. So, yeah, I think it was a success. I think I don't think there's any question. No, I agree completely, and it was a success without having to be over the top. D says, big success. Uh, we have Billy Bob saying that he thought a trip to the College World Series is a success. So I tend to agree with that. I wondered if if we might have a, uh, a bit of a pushback from uh, some people. So uh, let's go ahead and look at the game. Tennessee's bats went dead um there were some mistakes made in in the field but for the most part i thought it was this team is not great against left-handed pitching and uh, tennessee just never kind of got on that role it's you know the college world series is set up it is the absolutely most unique setup of anything that matters in sports would you agree with that i mean a double elimination tournament sounds like something you and i did in a little league which, which I did. And uh, I, I just, I wish it could be set up another way. I know that it can't drag on forever, but I wish they were all, every matchup was a th- best of three series, like the first two rounds. I don't know how to fix that. Maybe you can't, but let's, let's take a look at the game because uh, th- there are a lot of people who had a problem with the umpires last night um now I've, I've read both i've read where the umpires cost tennessee the game uh, particularly at the plate calling some outside low pitches i th- i thought for the most part they called it the same and it's up to you to adjust um caleb what were your thoughts that's my thoughts exactly the umpires were they had a very wide strike zone yesterday i think we all agree on that but i also think that if you're a championship team, you're going to run across different umpires throughout a season and you're going to have to adjust. It's no different than basketball. You got to adjust to refs that call ticky-tack fouls versus refs that let you play. You got to be able to win on both fronts if you're a good basketball team. It's the same if you're a good baseball team. And you hit the nail on the head with Tennessee having an issue with left-handed pitchers. I mean, it, it, I've never heard of a team that, ha- that, sh- that, ha- that is so short on quality right-handed hitters. But, I mean, Tennessee is... One of those teams in, in, I, I saw Russ Rucker tweet at this out last night after the game. And he's right. The good news, if you're a Tennessee fan long-term is that's actually one of the easiest fixes to make in baseball. It's the easiest personnel fix to make. Oh, I got to find more quality right-handed hitters and I'm fine elsewhere. But yeah, that was an issue last night. And technically LSU had one error, but they scored four runs that they should not have scored because Tennessee made mistakes. You can't put that on the umpires. It was five to nothing. And it if it was one to nothing, we might be having this conversation. It was a five to nothing game because Tennessee gave Tennessee's defense gave up four runs that they shouldn't have given up. And they've had issues all year. 
their biggest issue all year. They're they're sixth in the in, in the league in home runs in the in the nation in home runs this year in total home runs. They're a home run hitting team. They have trouble driving in runners without clearing defense. And with the weather in Omaha the way it was, and the stadium the way it is, and the pitching the way it is, they were going to have to. The 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 the, the matricians would hate this, but this is one time where it kind of flies against the nature of analytics. You were going to have to rely on more small ball to win, and Tennessee has a lot more trouble with that of putting balls in play. And you you saw that yesterday. No, and I know it would get frustrating for Tennessee fans, but if if the bottom line is for the athletic department, if Tennessee did what they did this year every year without the bird flipping around in second making the College World Series, winning one game. For, if they did that every year for the next 10 years, and they didn't win two games, they never went any further, at the end of the day, what does it matter? It matters to football because you get your name out there. And I've said this before, the Lady Vols got Terry Fair. You had this commercial that you couldn't possibly afford about your athletic department that is out there. So at the end of the day, I hate that phrase. At the end of the day, you got a huge monstrous commercial for the University of Tennessee, didn't you? And you got it without the bird flipping. I'm sure Tony Vitello, if in 10 years he hasn't won a College World Series, he would be very disappointed in his career. But as Tennessee fan, you've got to be happy with what happened there because there could have been a dude watching that, is in eighth grade, ninth grade. He's the best pitcher on his team, and he's going to be a great quarterback. He was watching that last night, and that may determine where he goes to school to play football. Yeah, that's a huge deal. And you're right, the bat flipping and bird flipping, it's good that they're getting rid of that to a degree because that wasn't just... For those who don't remember the 2021-2022 Tennessee athletic season was a bit of an issue because before the bat flipping and bird flipping of baseball, there were the golf balls in football. <laughs> and and yeah. fans were very, very defiant about those things. And I'm thinking, okay, this defiance is not going to help you long-term. Well, and- that makes me think of something. You know what? I think I'm going to write a column later today on offthehooksports.com of kudos to Tony Vitello with doing it with some class because Tennessee had been marred by the golf balls and the mustard bottles in the Lane Kiffin game. And some of that happened last year. And was it the, was it the regionals or the supers that some, some fans did that uh, with the baseball team. So kudos to Tony Vitello with doing it with class and showing he can do that. Can I take a second? Cause father's day was on Sunday. Can I show off my new cup? Cause Rad dad. What do you think about nice. that from my daughter? And also, if, if I may, may I go Uncle Dave's story time for a quick second? Okay, sure. so uh, uh, Uncle Dave uh, goes to uh, Gainesville in 2001. Perhaps you've heard of that year. There was a terrible tragedy that moved the Tennessee-Florida game to the end of the year. And uh, I get a call. Uh, they send me for the first time ever to cover – Tennessee, Florida, or any away game for that matter, on a Monday before instead of covering the Vols back in Knoxville. Stupid idea made by a program director who didn't understand news at all. Nobody wanted to talk to me at Florida because they thought I was some sort of spy. It was a dumb idea. But 
My daughter got me the very same Kid Rock album, un, unknown, unbeknownst to her, that I went and picked up Monday night when my wife called me and said, hey, I'm pregnant. I was like, how could you tell me that when I just got to Gainesville and I'm, I'm all by myself and I have to be here all week? But that was the album. Yes, here it is. Kid Rock. That's the very <laughs> album that I bought that night. And nobody knew that. And it was kind of wild. A little wild. It's just Uncle Dave's story. story. Was that? It, it's funny. We there was also there was also a bottle of Maker's Mark involved that nice. <laughs> barely saw the next day. It was a combination of nerves and happiness and and all that good stuff. So it was a lot going on. But I figured I would share that really quickly, just not to get not to get off topic and i am a very good right-handed batter if anybody needs me i think i have some eligibility left how does that work does my clock start when i enroll in class or does my clock start when i practice oh that's a good i don't know um ed orgeron should know that rule because he tried to take a bunch of guys to southern california with him after he signed them at tennessee i mean if anybody was going to tell kids to not go to class it'd be ed orgeron <laughs> Or show he up is. partially, or show up partially intoxicated. Um, could also uh, be the situation. All right, so transition here for a moment. And you brought this up yesterday, and we were going to get to it. And I did, I did not have the opportunity to get to it because I was still recovering from Bonnaroo, and you can tell my voice is doing that as well. But this kind of blew me away, if I may. What the h? What the. What was he thinking? Release the hounds. The Dave Hooker Show. Keep cool. A presentation of offthehooksports.com. So, I, I, I find it difficult to go from day to day without getting nitpicked on something on social media. And if I were you, uh, other than for... Uh, off the hooksports.com, I would probably just stay off social media, but we do disseminate a lot of our stuff. So that, that's not an option. But Caleb, I do know when when you and I retire or I hand this off to you or whatever we do, I'm never getting on social media again. Because Peyton Manning was criticized for drinking a Bud Light. I thought that this had died. I thought that this was no big deal. But what the H? You included that in there. So he's drinking a Bud Light at the College World Series. And so if you if you drink a Bud Light now, you're supposed to be, what, woke, I guess? Is that what it yes. is? Yes. Can somebody, I mean, is good gravy. Um, Caleb, why was this a deal? And why did this become a thing on social media? When it, let's be honest. They all have exclusive beer sponsorships. It might have been Bud Light, and that's it. I don't know. But Peyton Manning, woke Peyton Manning, I'm not even sure what woke means, but if it's something progressive, then I would think that Peyton Manning is the furthest from being woke of anybody in the world because he is old school. For right or wrong, he's not trying to make a statement by drinking a Bud Light. Whatever that statement would be, I'm totally ignorant, Caleb. Please help me on the matter. <laughs> so, okay. So, 
this if you go if you check out message board geniuses twitter which is where i found this they show what different message boards are saying at different times and there was a picture of peyton manning drinking a bud light at saturday's game and somebody commented what a woke pos and then you saw a bunch of people on twitter going it's true peyton manning's drinking a bud light so this all hey, can i take a timeout can i take a timeout what does woke mean Okay, nobody can define it. Okay, here's the original. Here's the original. Here's the original. I, I'm going to be. I'm going to give the friendly. I'm going to be. Fr- there, there's two types of woke. If we're going to talk, because this this word is getting so overused in the world now, it's just driving me insane. Woke initially started as in tw- like it was an innocent word, a, a phrase to mean like awareness to social injustice, which on a broad sense, I think we're all okay with something like that. You know what it I mean? It sounds Aware- like a positive coming out of the box, doesn't it? Yes, yes. Now, the what it turned into was kind of there was a group that would be in this crew called woke that maybe were a little too authoritarian. Actually, very too the ones that are saying you're not referring to me by my proper pronoun, so you're a bigot. That that type of woke, you know what I mean? Or that took it way too far. That you know what I mean? That was like, you're not using sorry, the proper you made words me for laugh this. On the message board, go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> that what? Well, so there's the woke, which is still awareness of social injustice, but then it kind of devolved by through it by because of a lot of people that were that were policing every word you say and try to cancel you if you said anything wrong and just went way too far with it, and that's what woke kind of devolved into. So now there's become a backlash to woke based on those people. Now this all kind of came. This all kind of came to a head with Bud Light. They put they put a I, I, I'm not going to get the pronoun right. I, I I don't want to say, but they put somebody who I believe is either non-binary or trans in one of their commercials. Okay, uh, no, it was on the side of a can. I did I do know that much. Yeah, on the side of a can. So people got upset and decided they didn't want to drink Bud Light anymore because that was kind of annoying to them. Fine, that's totally fine. You don't want to drink Bud Light because you don't like that? I, I got no issue with that. Okay. But now it's gone from what they criticized about wokeism. They're doing the same thing with anti-wokeism because, okay, you don't want to drink Bud Light. Fine. But are you really going to cancel Peyton Manning because he doesn't want to drink Bud Light? Because <laughs> <I mean, laughs> he wants to and drink who, Bud Light? And, and, and listen, I've been a big beer drinker and it used to I, I thought it was funny when people would argue between Miller Lite and Bud Light uh because I mean there's not a monstrous difference uh it's like Verizon and AT&T <laughs> yeah and so just I mean but is anybody turning down a beer I guarantee it was handed to him too a free beer I mean he's not going up to the beer stand and standing in line at a Tennessee athletics event at the College World Series, where he could get recognized by fifteen thousand people, I just that the whole thing was uh, goofy to me. The fact that it got traction, and and le- listen, let's let's be honest. I I don't know what Peyton Manning thinks uh, ab- about being woke or not, but there are a lot of other things that we could say about Peyton Manning that would be more critical. One, he is, he can be a bit of a bully. If media says something about him that he doesn't like, he'll never go on your show again. 
that's that's the case with a lot of people. Dan Patrick is one. Um, he can be vindictive. He can. You guys may not know this about Peyton Manning. He he can be overly orchestrated to the point that uh, he's very manipulative. So there are a lot of things we could say about Peyton Manning, and those those adjectives I just gave about Peyton Manning could be viewed as good or bad. And in some cases they've helped him to the career that he has. And I got no problem with it, but I I don't under, I mean, to call him woke is again, I'm not even hundred percent sure what it means, but there are a lot of other things you could say about Peyton Manning that he, that would be more accurate and that he probably would dislike more than woke. Yeah. And, I guess where I met with it is if you're annoyed by the authoritarian wing of wokeness, I'm with you. There are some people like we shouldn't be canceling people because they may use the because they may say the wrong phrase, they may use the wrong pronoun, and they don't even know what they're saying is offensive half the time. You know, we shouldn't be canceling people for that. But what I would caution people is don't be the same thing from the other side. Don't all of a sudden be authoritarian as an anti-wokester, which is to say that I'm not I'm gonna cancel this person because they're doing something that I deem woke. That's just as stupid. It just doesn't. I mean, I mean this this will dissipate eventually with the Bud Light thing, and it just to me is just be beyond my realm of 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 comprehension. Um, so I mean, I, I guess some people could say that I I was woke or not woke or something for having a T shirt that says Hooker on it. <laughs> I, I don't know what that means for uh for me. SC Scout got. Great point. I wonder if the shirt Peyton was wearing was made by a sweatshop by children. If it was Nike, it was. if it was Nike, it probably was. <laughs> of course it was. Of course it was. This is this is the hypocrisy of people who take stances on anything. Is like, I mean, you know, LeBron James sitting up there t- saying, "I'm I'm all about social justice," but I have Nikes being made in sweatshops in China live golfers on the other side saying oh we stand for free speech and you're out here taking money from saudi arabia and you know yeah and then what did the pga tour do took that cash took that cash the pga tour shaming people shaming people for golfing with the live tour and then selling themselves to the live tour i mean it's just like Clay Travis having a radio says, show saying I'm a free Travis speech. says Anheuser Busch is down twenty seven oh, yeah, billion at this well, point. No, to, uh, Tom, you're right. We're not talking politics. We're done. Yes, <laughs> we were referring to a Peyton Manning attack, and that's relevant because we cover Tennessee. <laughs> All right, LeBron, Mr. Jones. I don't know how this possibly relates, but LeBron claims he reads books always. Oh no. Paper. He so LeBron does. takes all these Le, LeBron. Yeah. He takes all these pictures of himself reading a book and it's always the first page. It's like, <laughs> it's, it's like, bro, you're not reading that book. And like, it's always like, he's on like an elliptical. There was one where he's on a, he's on a, um he, he's on, he's on a bicycle and he's like riding and he's reading. And it's like, bro, you're not reading. You're not reading when you're riding on a bicycle. Come on. I can't do that. I know you can't. <laughs> I, I can't tell you how many times I almost blew my ACL when I was trying to look at the Bonnaroo map to get around. And <laughs> and it's uh, it's uneven. The ground is uneven. There was seriously a couple times I thought, I'm going to have to text Caleb and tell him I blew my ACL because I stepped in a hole while I was looking at the Bonnaroo map. 
and that he's going to have to probably fill in for me a couple of times. By the way, an update, uh, very nice words by, who was it, back of the message board. Um, Where is it? I think it was D that said it. Oh, saw the episode of Celebrate 98 last night. It was amazing as well. You've got to check that out, guys, which is why I want to be sure and tell you, not only do you need to subscribe and not only do you need to hit the like button for now, but turn your notifications on. That's something I haven't been saying as often. So we haven't had monster names yet, but we're going to like the Al Wilsons of the world. But let me give you a schedule because I just got it from Fred right before we went on the air. So next week, check this lineup out. We'll have Cozy. We'll have Travis Stevens. Pretty good, huh? We'll have Cozy Coleman, one of the top five offensive linemen of all time in Tennessee. Is that fair? At Tennessee, yeah. And he actually had a solid NFL career. I think he got hurt, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, T. Martin next week. Uh, Man, Travis pretty, pretty well Henry. Guy. Yeah, pretty pretty well known. Travis Henry next week. Dante Stallworth, we believe, will be next week as well. So but Dante Stallworth was he? He wasn't on that team though, was he? He was a freshman. He was a okay. yeah. He, he was a he was a freshman. So he had his better years afterwards. But uh, we'll get Dante on there too. So uh, man, that that's going to continue to roll, and we're really excited about it. So we definitely wanted to begin with maybe some of the smaller names. Did I tell you Spencer Riley? Oh, Spencer Riley. My favorite moment from Spencer Riley, here I am, a young 24-year-old Dave, first year covering Tennessee football. By the way, first year I covered him was 98, so now that I'm back in this thing, expect big things. Uh, but I remember Spencer Riley coming to the interview session. This isn't those stupid podium days, okay, where they go up there. Uh, I'd like two questions because I know he's only going to be available for five minutes. Uh, I enjoy the press conference. Thank you for having me, UT Sports Information, because that's basically how they go. Spencer Riley sits back in a chair, kicks one chair, props his feet up, say, all right, boys, what are we going to talk about? And Spencer Riley was the funniest dude that I have ever covered. It was one of those, oh, come on, y'all are overthinking this, type of guys. You know, the guy that takes a step back. And you ask a question, and he basically criticizes the question in a way that makes you feel good about it. <laughs> <laughs> have you ever been? Have you ever interviewed one of those guys? There, they they want to be nice about it, but Spencer's right. The other thing about Spencer, did you know that he suffered from this rare, um, th- th- this rare disease that made him paralyzed? In his whole body for like two months. He was in the hospital for two months. He could not move a muscle. Can you imagine that? And the whole oh time, gosh. yeah, the whole time they're telling him it was like a virus. They're telling him you're going to be good. We're going to get this fixed. But in the back of your mind, as you can't move, you've got to wonder about, am I, am I ever going to be good? Am I paralyzed? It wasn't any sort of sort of orthopedic issue with his neck or anything like you would think, like Christopher Reeves or something like that. It was an infection. So we're going to talk to him about that, too. But can you imagine? That would just be hell on earth to me. I, that's the one thing I, I, I would never want to be is a quadriplegic. I mean, a lot of bad things in the world. But I don't know about you, but I've always had this great innate fear about that. So we'll all kinds of great stuff to talk about. And um, we'll do that on the Celebrate 98 series. 
where uh, I was supposed to be on vacation next week, but suddenly that's looking like a uh, maybe not going to happen. Two minutes, and then coming up, I'm excited about this topic. Talking Cruton. It's kind of how I cut my teeth. I'm going to tell you how big Jordan Burns is, and it's very significant for a couple of reasons. Is it even bigger than Boo Carter? Two minutes off the sports. Sun, sand, and salt water, the beach is a very relaxing place. Unless you wear contacts. Ow! Open your eyes to the best the beach has to offer with LASIK Vision Correction from Campbell Cunningham Laser Center. Ah. Hi, Mike Davis here with City Heating and Air, reminding you to always dare to compare. Our team provides quality local heating and air service, installation, and maintenance across East Tennessee. We use only the best equipment, like American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning for your residential, new construction, or commercial needs. Honesty, dependability, and customer satisfaction have been the cornerstones of our business since 1961. City Heat and Air. There's your Our family has been creating one-of-a-kind pieces of jewelry in West Knoxville since 1986. Each piece is a combination of unique processes that bring your idea to life. Every day in our shop, a truly special item with a story all its own is being manufactured in our facility, bringing the history and family sentiment into a whole new generation of life. We're grateful that you chose us to be Knoxville's best jeweler, a title that we value and respect. Because to me, being a jeweler and owning a jewelry store are not the same thing. I'm Rick Terry, I'm a jeweler, and we wanna be your jeweler. Kingston Pike and Campbell Station Road in the heart of Farragut and downtown on Gay Street right next to the Tennessee Theater. When you want a hard cider that's easy to enjoy, one that's crafted to perfection, you need Tennessee Cider Company. Some say it's the signature cider of the South. Others say it's the cure to your craving. They all say you'll savor every sip. With a selection of ciders free to sample, all it takes is one taste. Visit TNCiderCompany.com for more information, as well as to shop our ciders and merchandise online. Thirsty yet? Doors open at 10 a.m. You're listening to the Dave Hooker Show, a presentation of OffTheHookSports.com. The internet is full of pictures of each and every one of you. Available on YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and the Off The Hook Sports app. Download now for free. Is there nothing you people can't do? Also available on OffTheHookSports.com. Cruton. Talking Tennessee football recruiting portions of the program brought to you by City Heating and Air Conditioning, cityheatandair.com. For over 50 years, City Heating and Air Conditioning has provided these Tennesseans with honest, dependable heating and cooling service. Honest and dependable. 50 years in service in East Tennessee, integrity matters. You might not need a whole new unit. You just might need a new part. Or how about this? You just might need some uh, coolant there. They'll take care of you. They're not going to roll in and say, hey, why don't you buy a uh, $18,000 unit? And unless you really, really need it. So let's talk some crouton as the ball suddenly on a run. It's one of the things I always enjoyed about recruiting. You can be dead in the water 
and then bingo, bango, a big weekend happens, and you're picking up cats. So we know about Boo Carter on Saturday. Uh, I was out of town, so great job, Caleb uh, Giroux and uh, Caleb Calhoun and all the guys staying on top of that. And you now have Jordan Burns. So let's talk some Cruton, not only what Tennessee has now, but what they need as well. So what did you make, before I give you a breakdown of Jordan Burns and tell you what I have heard about Jordan Burns, but what did you make of Jordan Burns and the commitment as he chooses the University of Tennessee yesterday publicly? I got two thoughts in my head. The first is it's great news for Tennessee. They need help at linebacker. They got a linebacker. They need to, as you've talked about, win some of those recruiting battles in Georgia. They won one in Georgia in a, with an, for an Atlanta area kid. Though, and then also coming on the heels of Boo Carter, momentum starting to pick up in June. Those are all good signs. Tennessee's back to number 11, I think, in the 247 sports composite. Fourth in the SEC. By the way, SEC is kind of getting like, there's actually competition from other conferences this year in the SEC and recruiting so far. But the drawback to me is that I do take into account who his top schools were. And it seems like he was down to Tennessee, Arkansas, and Vanderbilt. And my so thing it, is – So our rankings on off-the-hook sports are anywhere, somewhere, nowhere. So he's a somewhere kid, right? I think he's a somewhere kid. Now, he's listed as a four-star on 247 Composite. I think he's closer to a three-star because if he were truly a four-star, I think Georgia would want him enough where he would be considering Georgia and not Arkansas and Vanderbilt. That's fair. The composite is a four-star. 247 Sports has him as a three-star. I think it's uh, more significant than that for a couple of different reasons. I can't hammer this home enough. The fact that you're in Atlanta is, is this a guy that Tennessee's ahead of the curve on with Georgia? Could Georgia come calling later? Certainly. But I do like the fact, too, that uh, Tennessee is is getting a guy who's probably the best athlete on his team, uh, which is what I was told. And they were 8-3 and three in 4A, and he, was, he played linebacker and running back. Who does that remind you of? Guys that played defense as well. We just talked about the Celebrate 98 series. Basically, every linebacker they had played um, played running back primarily, but also played defense. So I really like the Jordan Burns uh, pickup. I think it's significant being in the Atlanta area, and that leads us to four downs. Four downs is right now, and it's brought to you by Andy Mason realestate.com as we talk some crude four downs four questions four answers the dave hooker show four four, four? downs a presentation of off the hook sports.com i really think that i'm gonna i think i'm gonna surprise caleb with some of my answers here so i'm i'm looking forward to this um so Let's go ahead and get it started. Four Downs brought to you by Andy Mason, andymasonrealestate.com. Best prices and service in the biz, and it ain't even close. So Cooper Mays is going to take us to which down, Coop? Coop here. First down. Thanks, Coop. Bigger deal. Burns or Boo? Boo Carter over the weekend. Jordan Burns 
Which is the bigger deal? I'm about to violate every principle I've ever said because you know what I say about in-state recruits from Tennessee, but Boo Carter is the bigger deal because I think Boo Carter is the better player. And I'm basing that off of who was targeting Boo Carter more heavily than Boo Carter had interest from more high-profile schools than Jordan Burns did. Boo Carter you have to get because he's an in-state guy that you've made a target. Um, just in terms of had he not been a major target for Tennessee, and it was so obvious that he was, I would have gone Burns. But I'm gonna I'm gonna roll with you on Boo. But you could make a strong str- strong argument at Jordan Burns at Pace Academy is a bigger pickup because it starts to get you into uh, the Atlanta area. Let's not forget that before Tennessee got the number one class in 95, I believe it was, largely because of in-state guys and then got a highly rated class in 96. I mean, they picked up scragglers along the way like a Jordan Burns, a guy that perhaps wasn't Georgia's cup of tea, but they had drunken Ray Golf. You had a, you have to watch you have to watch the Celebrate 98 series to see what player he showed up uh, at to recruit with a couple of pops in him. So, uh, but they had drunken Ray Golf, but still, I, I'm going to go with Boo Carter. So I'm going to agree with you on that. What down is <clears throat> what down is it now, Coop? Cooper Mays here. Second down. Most important commit overall so far is just to give you a quick uh, rundown. Jake Merklinger would be the highest rated prospect at this point, followed by Jonathan Eccles of IMG Academy, Caleb Beasley, uh, followed, uh, followed by Peyton Lewis, and then you get to Boo Carter. So that would be your top five. So I would think you would pick somewhere in there. What are, but you can go anywhere you want to. What's the top commitment for Tennessee so far in terms of both a player who can play and long-term success? Easily Jonathan Eccles to me. I would say Merklinger, but I don't think he's going to stay at Tennessee because I don't see him ever beating out Nico. So it's Jonathan Eccles so far. I mean, the, the guy was a borderline five-star edge rusher. I mean, we're talking we're talking maybe some Derek Barnett potential, that type of edge rusher at Tennessee when he comes. Yeah, and man, I can't I hate to agree with you on on, on every single one, but um I think that Eccles for a number of different reasons is is the biggest one where things could go south with Eccles is he's made it very clear he wants to play tight end and doesn't want to be an edge rusher dude get over it do a google search on Leonard Little playing linebacker instead of defensive end okay do it do do a search on flip side actually Jason Witten playing tight end instead of defensive end, you got to trust your coaches. It's kind of like when you go into grad school, you don't tell the guy, no, 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 I'm going to do this, that, and you're wrong. And that uh, Pythagorean theorem is exactly exactly wrong. I'm going to go in a different direction. You're an edge rusher. You need to be an edge rusher. So that's the only reason that I might go back and forth on that. By the way, AndyMasonRealEstate.com, AndyMasonRealEstate.com, best service, best prices in the biz. He's who I'm about to call for my next real estate transaction. You will love Andy Mason, AndyMasonRealEstate.com, best service, prices in the biz, over 40 years of experience in the East Tennessee market. He brings you four downs. 
Third down. Cooper Mays here. Second down. Oh, that's second down. Tennessee center Cooper Mays here. Third down. Thank you, man. Don't make that mistake again, Coop. I'm not tolerating stuff like that. All right, so third down. Most likely to play early among all of these players. that, And I mentioned the top five or so, but you can pick from any list that you would like to, or you can go anywhere on the list. Most likely to play early. Um, what are your thoughts? By the way, Tennessee now has 11. Uh, I'm sorry, Tennessee has 13 commitments and they're 11th in the nation. So most likely to play early is can't believe I'm saying this, but it's actually Boo Carter, funny enough. And the reason I say Boo Carter is Tennessee is going to have more immediate needs in the secondary next year, and that's where they're probably going to put Boo Carter. It echoes there's still some depth at edge rusher, and based on what you're saying, he's going to fight playing it. So they might Jason Witten him where they put him there, where they put him at tight end for like a few months and then move him over to edge rusher because they need to. Merklinger is obviously not playing. Caleb Beasley's overrated to me. And Peyton Lewis as a running back is going to be a little bit buried in the depth chart. So it's, it's Boo Carter. I, I think Peyton Lewis will be a little bit buried on the depth chart, but they'll find ways to use him. So, but I will actually take Caleb Beasley. Uh, I, I don't think he's as overrated. He's, he's going to step in and play cornerback, which is debatable over whether or not that's one of the easiest positions to learn, but He'll have some insight uh, from uh, uh, Jacob Beasley, who's currently with the program. Um, and I think that he'll be really close being in Nashville to Tennessee's uh, football program. So he'll know more coming in than the average freshman. What down is it now, Coop? All SEC center Cooper Mays here. Fourth down. There we go. All right, fourth down. What do the Vols need ASAP? What do they need in this class to really, really get someone's attention? They need about five more offensive linemen. I mean, they need to be loading up on the offensive line. They're very short there, as we've talked about. They're a little thin there. They can't keep relying on the transfer portal. They need offensive linemen after offensive linemen. They need at least two Four fringe five-star offensive linemen soon. Rocky Top Tom says two massive offensive tackles agree. Oh, yeah, I'm with Rocky Top Tom. He's right. That's what they need. They need to really work on the trenches right now. I think... I think they still. I, I think they're going to be okay on the defensive line. They are. They have some depth there. And Rodney Garner, you can always trust the scout talent. They need offensive line talent immediately, and I mean immediately. There's real concerns about their depth at offensive line beyond this year. Um, agreed. And those guys, not not only do they need that, I'm going to throw a qualifier. They need the midterm cats, which is not as unusual as it used to be. So I think that uh, Tennessee needs the mid midterm guys that can try to get somewhat ready. You're not going to be ready as a freshman most of the time to play in the SEC. But a note on our message board that Marcus Easley was leaning towards uh, Tennessee. He is scheduled to announce on July 8th, I believe. That's the type of guy you need. Six foot five, maybe six foot six. He's out at Illinois, but he's 335 pounds. There seems to be 
this notion that you can develop offensive linemen. You can, but you can't develop 6'5", 6'6", 335 pounds. So, you know, Cooper Mays is a great example. He comes in, he's a little undersized, and he turns into a just great football player. But you're running a risk if you continue uh, to do that. Travis had a question. Yes, go ahead. I'm actually on your side with that. Um, And I want to know what you've covered recruiting. And Jeremy Pruitt was big on this, funny enough, to his credit. I feel like when I look at offensive linemen, I actually look at their size more than their star rating. I think their size actually matters more. And I know I just Wisconsin and Iowa churn out more offensive linemen in the NFL than anybody. And none of them are four or five stars. I feel like the star rating is probably most inaccurate of offensive linemen of any position in recruiting. No. And I think it's the toughest to evaluate. I also think that the star rating will depend largely on their feet and their footwork. If, but if you get a guy that's six foot five, 335 pounds, and he has any ambition to be a great football player, you can slide him in the guard. So, yes. I mean, you've got, you've got an automatic fallback. He may be listed as a tackle. He may want to play tackle, but you could slide him in the guard. And that's uh that, that's no big deal whatsoever. So what you're so saying I is, people who don't have the agility and footwork to play offensive line, if you can just plug size in at guard is what you're saying. And it works. Yes. You can't, you can't plot around and play tackle. I mean, that would be Albert Toina, no offense, but if you, you're going to get beat on the outside in today's day and age of, of college football with the edge rushers that don't have to put their hands down anymore or hand down anymore. And, you're going to get caught in a bind pretty quickly if you don't have good feet. But if you don't have good feet, move him to guard, and uh, you're all good. And as long as you want to play and you have some natural strength and physical ability, you can uh, probably be just fine with that. I'm going to reset today's question because we're going to talk a little bit of uh, Nick Saban and uh, today's tough. Well, you wanted question. to get to Travis. You said Travis had a question. You wanted to get. To oh that. yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Travis did have a question. Travis uh, was, I think, uh, surprised that you said Beasley was overrated. Why do you think Beasley is overrated? Because I have, and I've said this for a while, I have more faith in East Tennessee prospects than Middle Tennessee prospects, and that's why I compared Boo Carter versus Caleb Beasley. Boo Carter. I mean, this is just a. One, I look at who they who was recruiting both of them. They were both highly recruited, but Boo Carter coming from East Tennessee. I think East Tennessee prospects, Dave, when I while I criticize Middle Tennessee prospects, I think East Tennessee prospects are proving to be vastly underrated as players. I mean, Cooper Mays maybe should have been a fringe five-star recruit. And says he, instead he was a fringe four-star recruit. Jacob Warren should have been a more firmly supplanted four-star recruit. I mean, Knoxville Catholic is just churning out some talent right now. And Chattanooga has a pretty good history, too. And so that's that's the biggest reason is coming from East. I think Boo Carter's level of competition in East Tennessee is better than Beasley's level of competition in Middle Tennessee, quite honestly. I'll tell you what we'll do, Travis. We'll get somebody to take a look at Beasley and we'll get his we'll get some thoughts over whether or not as an actual player he is overrated. I will give Caleb this for sure. It, it seems like the Middle Tennessee guys have not had the impact. And he and I have talked about that. I think that's going to change eventually but I don't know when it's going to change. Um, at it some point, Nash- when Butch, it was supposed to change when Butch Jones was head coach. Nah, <laughs> he like I, loaded I up on the middle Tennessee. 
I think part of the thing you've got is the Southern California thing going on. I think football, because in Nashville is it's such a transient uh, people come in and out and they move into there. Well, I can't remember the, the word I'm using, but they move into Nashville. And if you move into Nashville from a lot of different places, football is not the end all be all. You may be good at it, but you may not love it. Same thing in Southern California. There are a lot of guys that could be, if they loved it, loved it would be fantastic football players there, but you don't see that nearly as much uh, in, in certain places. Texas, even though Tennessee hasn't done well in Texas, is typically the opposite, right? They're born and raised on, now they get overrated because there's so many of them, but they're born and raised on football and they love football. So you don't have that problem. But I do think that you're having some of that problem in Nashville. I think guys move in from Colorado, California. I was at the gym the other day and a lady told me, he said, I moved from, uh, Colorado. And I said, man, I've always wanted to live there. Why? And she goes, well, you smell weed on every corner. It's like, I had to get my kids away from that. I'm like, okay, well, that's a different discussion, but they were probably not raised on football. I think you want people from the South, not just because they're the best players, but because it means so much to them. So that is a, a very, and they play point. year round in the South. I mean, they're not done playing when the season's over. In high school football. No. And while we could debate this, they usually specialize in one sport. I would, I don't believe specializing in one sport is the greatest thing. I think that you learn competition from different ones, but you're probably, as long as you don't get burned out, a better football player if you're specializing in seven on sevens, passing leagues in the summer. And it's year round. I mean, you're at the gym at 5 a.m. in the summer. I don't think people realize what a lot of these high school kids go through and the coaches are dedicated to be there. I mean, I've got several high school coaches, friends that uh, friends that are high school coaches that, I mean, they're there at five o'clock in the morning to open up the gym. So guys can get their lifts in. Yeah. I mean, I I think the last time I looked, Tennessee pays about $5,500 as a stipend for being an assistant coach. I mean, $5,500 a year as a bonus to my salary you better not ask me to get up at 5 a.m. unless I love it. Now, if I love it, I'm going to I'm gonna show up. Resetting today's tough question because I tend to do that and I haven't thought of anything more clever for today's tough question. Maybe the great debate. How about that? Today's tough qu- question is, is Nick Saban getting desperate? Today's tough question. Take a side. Take a stand. The Dave Hooker Show, a presentation of offthehooksports.com. Is Nick Saban getting desperate to win another championship? Because tick, 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 the clock is ticking. Nick Saban says that his team should have been in the college football playoff last year because Vegas favored them over three of the four teams that were in the college football playoff. I would guess all but Georgia. He also questioned the commitment of athletes in NIL and the transfer portal. He calls for balance and says players don't have a contract. Okay. Nick Saban sells a lot of cars via his Mercedes dealership. So he knows what a contract is. He signs a contract. He knows what a contract is. He should also know that a contract would require some sort of unionization because no athlete is going to say to themselves, Hey, I have an idea. 
I'll sign a contract I don't have to sign. Nobody does that. (laughs) Nobody in the world signs a contract they don't have to sign unless there's something in it for them. So what are you going to do? Give them more cash? I mean, right now they have all the leverage. So that's just stupid. And it goes to show you that Nick Saban may be a fantastic coach, but not the greatest thinker when it comes to being a business mind. And the college football playoff, making that because Vegas favored them over three of the four teams, well, that's idiotic. I mean, if if that's how we want to make it, and I'm all up for a formula because I don't really like the committee. I think they manipulate things to make it better for television. But if that's how we want to do it, let's do it. Let's roll with that and make like the old BCS formula but to go by Vegas is pretty stupid. Your thoughts on both of those. As I remind people, you can go to crafttreats.com. Go to crafttreats.com. Use the promo code off the hook, and you will get 20% off anything, including their chill pills. And their chill pills have the CBD derivatives in them, in which uh, they can help with your pet's digestive issues. They can help with arthritis. They can also help with anxiety. They're awesome. Use the promo code off the hook. They've got non-CBD products as well. And they're just awesome pet treats. Go to crafttreats.com. Caleb, Vegas determining who makes the college football playoff and contracts for athletes. Take the floor, sir, because both of those sound really stupid to me. Yeah, I don't know which one's dumber. I'm trying to think in my head which one is dumber. Okay, let's take this. The question is which is dumber. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so let's take the Vegas one. Okay. You don't rank the best teams based on Vegas. or Actually, you don't even do the top four based on who you think would win. Let me give you an example, Dave. What if Alabama lost to Auburn in the last game of last year, which they wouldn't have? Let's say Auburn upset them, and they were now 9-3 and three instead of 10-2. and two. I still would have favored – Vegas still would have favored them over TCU – and maybe even Ohio State in the college football playoff, and I would have picked them over TCU and Ohio State. Does that mean they should have gotten in with three losses over TCU and Ohio State? No. No, this is so absolutely ridiculous. And it's – look, two weeks ago we had a debate, and I actually was okay – I actually was a fan of Nick Saban taking certain stances that he took. I defend him when I defend him. I criticize him when I criticize him. Both of these things are baseless. Now, for the contract thing, I just – Okay, complaining about players on having contracts. One, you're right. You bring up the union. I, I, I'm i going to bring up something else. Um, Nick Saban was, in 2004, signed a five-year extension with LSU on his contract. Did you know he broke it the year later to go to Miami? Then he signed a five-year deal with Miami. Did you know he broke that after two years to go to Alabama? I bet you the contracts he wants for players aren't going to be as easily brokeable. Exactly. Brokeable is a word. Or breakable. And you know what? Here's what will really – this is the, this is what's so insane about what he's saying. It's such an unfair – like, yeah, he breaks contracts. and say, well, I have a buyout in my contract. Yeah, like the other schools aren't paying the buyouts. Like when you break your contract with LSU, the Dolphins didn't pay that buyout. Or like Alabama didn't pay that buyout when you broke your contract with Miami. Like, come on. Okay, and – I agree with all that. I mean, can you imagine if I called Caleb Drew and I said, hey, everything's going great. You're doing a phenomenal job of covering recruiting, and we appreciate that. Uh, But I want you to sign this contract. And in that contract says that you um, have no flexibility flexibility to ever leave. 
and uh, I'm not going to give you anything else for it. I mean, that's the idea. I mean, because there's no set NIL cash. There's no slated like the NFL where you get this, so you sign a contract. Why would you sign a contract that say that says I get a thousand dollars a month in my NIL deal and I will not transfer? Well, what if another deal comes up? What if you turn into a superstar and they say you can get a million dollars? You said no, no, no. I've signed my contract. Also, Travis brings up, I thought was a really good point. Saban showed how desperate he's become last year when he started pandering on why Saban should be ranked ahead of us. So that leads us back to the question, is Nick Saban desperate? Yes. Yes. And I it would I think it would be heck on earth if he coached five more years, which is doable, and didn't win a championship. I think if he knew that right now, he would say that is absolutely horrible. So use whatever you want to. I'm using the word desperate. I think he wants to win one more championship if he coaches three to five more years. And if he doesn't, he's going to look at that as a failure because he's hard on himself. That means his career is a failure, but the ending of it will have been a failure. Largely because he hasn't won a legitimate championship in six years because we all know that COVID championship shouldn't count that 2020 season. And that was his last championship. And I'm with you. I want to add, by the way, with NIL, he once again through the, we got to create more balance in college football, which I hate when coaches of big time institutions say that Nick Saban, should Alabama get the same opportunities as UAB? Like, is that what we're saying here? I mean, you want to create balance in college football? You act like there wasn't, you act like there was balance before NIL. No, you're just mad that the balance of power maybe tipped against you with this one little thing. I mean, should we say, I made a joke the other day. I've said for a while, you know what I've I've talked about this. LSU has an unfair advantage with the amount of talent in their area. Should we put in a law that says only a certain amount of Louisiana kids can go to LSU every year to create balance? (laughs) I mean, I could see somebody bringing up that stupid of an idea, to be honest with you. It wouldn't surprise me. Gary says Bama was favored against Tennessee and LSU last year and lost. So why did they even play the game? According to Nick Saban, or why even put it on the field? Listen, this I'm all this- I'm all for a formula, and you may hate the formula idea. I know I've talked to John Adams about this, and he hates the formula idea. But I'm all for a formula that makes it cut and dry. But they don't want that because you could predict it the day before the selection Tuesdays that they have with the college football playoff committee shows. You could predict it before you could figure out the formula and that's what happened with the BCS. So they're not going to do that. They don't want to do that because they want a television show. I mean, basically they threw together friends or Seinfeld and it's on every Tuesday during football season. It gets ratings. It, they sell advertising. I will never talking about the games that weekend. I will never forget John Ward talking to one of our broadcasting classes. And he said, it's really, just about the games. Do you know why they do a pregame and postgame? Oh, well, it's to talk about the game coming up and talk about the game after. He goes, no, it's for advertising. That's, ex- that's exactly what that show is, that college football playoff committee show. It's not about getting excited about the college football playoff. It's about advertising, Caleb. That's what it is. 
Yeah, and it, it is about advertising, but it also helps increase interest in the sport themselves. I will say that. Like, Nick Saban is so hypocritical with Vegas because about 10 years ago, one of his last shouts at the media was they were playing, I think, Western Kentucky, and all the Alabama media was like, Alabama should blow them out. And he got really mad at the media. He's like, you know, you guys are at fault for us having a bad practice today because you keep propping up our players and not giving the other team the respect. So why do we play the game? I'm like, because the reason you're getting paid $8 million Part of that is because of the analysis and the coverage and the writing and all of the stuff that adds to the entertainment value of what you do. And now all of a sudden, you don't want that prognostic. You want to you want to care about that prognostication when it comes to Vegas. I'm with you. I'm with you. Two minutes, Josh Heupel's offense. Will it ever be figured out? We discuss. And I'm going to tell you the one thing coming up that could undermine Josh Heupel's offense. But when I say Josh Heupel's offense, I'm referring to Lincoln Riley's offense. I'm referring to a lot of different offenses that are variations of tempo and spread. Two minutes, and I'll tell you the one thing you don't want to see happen if you're a Tennessee fan, a Southern California fan, even a TCU fan. Two minutes. Hang tight. Family has been creating jewelry since 1986. Each piece unique with a story all its own. I'm Rick Terry with Rick Terry Jewelry Designs. I'm a jeweler and I want to be your jeweler. We're grateful that you chose us to be Knoxville's best jeweler. My family and staff look forward to serving you. So please come see us. Kingston Pike and Campbell Station Road in the heart of Farragut and downtown on Gay Street right next to the Tennessee Theater. Hi, Mike Davis here with City Heating and Air, reminding you to always dare to compare. Our team provides quality local heating and air service, installation, and maintenance across East Tennessee. We use only the best equipment like American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning for your residential, new construction, or commercial needs. Honesty, dependability, and customer satisfaction have been the cornerstones of our business since 1961. City Heat and Air. Dare to compare. With all that sun, sand, and salt water, the beach is a very relaxing place. Unless you wear contacts. Ow! Open your eyes to the best the beach has to offer with LASIK Vision Correction from Campbell Cunningham Laser Center. Ah. Do you want to own the more that owns every job? Then get the Vasti Lawn and Garden in Cleveland and get you a Toro. I'm David Vasti, here to talk to you about Toro. With a Toro Zero Turn, you'll get more out of every minute and you'll reach the finish line faster. At Bassies, we like to say, no matter if you're mowing three acres a week or 11 lawns a day, homeowners and business owners alike find confidence in equipment they can trust from top to bottom. Bassie Lawn and Garden, Highway 60 North in Cleveland. Man alive, it's worth the drive. These mountains hold and defend a spirit far better than moonshine. A drink that holds flavor that becomes necessity. A hard cider made and relished by folk who are as hearty as they are legend. A refreshment that can only be found in one place. With a taste that makes you say, give me three bottles of the good stuff. Tennessee Cider Company, where necessity can be found. Objective coverage. Hey, that's new. If we get caught, we're going to jail. The Dave Hooker Show, a presentation of Off the Hook Sports. YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and the free Off the Hook Sports app. I'm going to need to see some identification. Back to Dave Hooker. 
the one thing that can undermine, if not destroy, Josh Heifel's offense is politically correctness. And I'm going to explain that to you here momentarily. And it's brought to you by Bassie Lawn and Garden. Man Alive is worth the drive. Bassie Lawn and Garden has the industrial and commercial mowers where you will want to get from Nashville, Knoxville, or Chattanooga to get to Cleveland, Tennessee, because their buying power will save you thousands or tens of thousands of dollars. The one thing that can destroy the type of offenses that we're seeing are an up tempo offense. Obviously, I don't want this to ever happen because I enjoy these offenses. And I'm not to the point of being a football purist where I have to see the eye formation and run it between between the tackles every down. I'm not against that. I would like for some team to do that to see if it would work. Uh, the same way I'd like for the NBA to drop it down in the post, like Kevin McHale style. And we almost saw Tennessee do that. They just didn't have the outside shooting in basketball. But the the one thing would be, um, I think, politically correctness in that if if there were some sort of tragedy to happen, and which a player is going at such a high speed, and we will we will hear about this in August, Caleb. We will. A player in high school or college will pass away from heat exhaustion. It's happened um, at different schools. It tends to happen every year. But if if people were to get on board that and say you need to slow the game down because you're asking too much of the human body. I think you can train the human body to do a lot of things. I don't think it's within one's nature to bench press 300 pounds. I don't think that's necessarily smart, good for your joints, but I've done it. So you can train the human body to do a lot of things. I'm not saying I agree with it, if that were to ever come about, but that's the only thing I could see possibly undermining these types of offense that we're seeing now. But then you would have to turn to basketball and say, do not play an up and down style. But you've had deaths in basketball too. The other thing I think is the RPO rules where you're allowed to block downfield on a passing play, which technically you're not supposed to be able to do. That's not how football was developed. You're supposed to send a clear signal whether or not it's a running play or a passing play. But those are the only two things that I could see possibly sidetracking these up-tempo offenses. I don't think it's going to happen, but you brought up the question. You're a little bit too young to remember this, but the run and shoot was phenomenal. And Warren Moon was one of the most accurate, best passers that we don't talk about on a day-to-day basis. He was absolute. Where he would put balls was unbelievable. But it did get figured out. And I guess there's a possibility of that. I don't see that right now with the up-tempo offenses. And I tend to agree with Tom. It's a sissification of society. And I don't want to see that. But that that's the – because I gave it a lot of thought because we were actually going to this topic yesterday. And I gave it a whole lot of thought last night and, and this morning. And that's really the only thing I could think of because college football would have to change the RPO rules where you can get linemen downfield on a passing play. And that would just be stupid because it's working and everybody enjoys it. Caleb, do you, do you have anything as far as figured out? Yeah, I got a way to figure it out. 
funny enough without maybe you shouldn't maybe you shouldn't say it because i, I feel certain that uh, nick saban's watching as we speak well i don't know if nick saban will be able to do this in time but uh so for context guys if you go to 247 sports by brad crawford we, we're doing this segment because he named josh heupel predicted that josh heupel would be a top 10 coach by next year and i think you and i agree he's already top 10 probably as of right now top 10 in the nation if yes. not top 10 then knocking on the door at 14 at the lowest if we really wanted to do a list yeah exactly and so last year's georgia game there were two things that happened that hurt tennessee georgia's defensive backs were so good that they could hang with tennessee down the field one-on-one and the rain slowed them down so when i realized the rain slowed them down here's what i realized coaches should or do you remember you probably remember this dave 1990 when steve spurrier took out the artificial turf for florida and put in natural grass because he realized that was more conducive to the offense he was running yes yeah yeah that was common throughout where people would change their grass structure let the grass grow a little bit on your football field let the grass grow a little bit on your football field that'll slow down some of the speed that the receivers have on the outside and then people will put all their effort into recruiting elite athletes at cornerback to be able to hang with the receivers. I think that's how you figure out this offense. Put down a grass that's not as conducive to speed. Our high school used to turn the heat up for basketball games because our rival liked to play up-tempo, and we were a slow basketball team. We were a half-court team. So basically what you're saying is the same thing. Uh, but uh, – I don't know that you could, you know, everybody's playing slower there. And <clears throat> yeah, if I'm taking, let's say Jalen Hyatt last year, he may be a little bit slower out of his breaks, but the defensive backs are, are slower out of their breaks too. So typically I think a muddy field actually helps the receivers. And I, I think it would be the same thing for a grass field. Wouldn't it? I don't know. Okay. So, if you remember the Peyton Manning Colts here is, you know, Marvin Harrison and Reggie Wayne were very finesse receivers and speed receivers. And the reason they would lose to new England in the winter is new England would purposely not clear off the field during these snowstorms. And that always favored Ty law and Asante Samuel who were guarding Marvin Harrison and Reggie Wayne at the time. I mean, they just shut them down and they couldn't get off bump and run coverage. I think maybe you're right that it favors the receivers because the defensive backs have to backpedal, but I think it favors defensive backs who like to play. If you like to play a physical bump and run, I think this, I think a muddy field favors the defensive backs at that point, because you're not going to receive off the route. Then there comes an issue. And by the time they may get back on that right route, the quarterback may be sacked. And I mean, so timing is timing doesn't matter in Heibel's offense as it does in other offenses, but it does matter. I mean, timing, you can't, you can't, undersell the importance of that timing matters but it seems like the reads on the safeties that they're oftentimes bare so i i don't i don't think it matters as much as let's say west coast offense is that is that is that fair to say i mean if yes. your timing's oh, off in, your timing's off in a west coast offense it's a long day at the office and i i would rather be proactive i'd rather be the the receiver making that cut to put the safety in a bad position or the cornerback uh, in a bad position to be reactive and have to wait and then see what he's going to do. Also specifically with the Georgia game last year, I think Georgia was a better football team. 
I think uh, the things leading up to that were also not great for Tennessee. They had gotten the number one ranking. Um, they There was a lot of reason for Georgia to focus on practice on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. That's where I think that that, that pre-hype stuff factors in. I don't think they were going to overlook Tennessee. And I think the crowd was insulted by a lot of people, including former Tennessee quarterback Eric Ainge, who said it wasn't a tough place to play. Well, he was right 15 years ago. It wasn't an incredibly tough place to play. I mean, they've changed that place so much. It is it is a tough place to play right now. So, to me, um, I, I, don't, I don't think the long grass would necessarily – do it as as devious and as mean as that is people are saying on the on the message board but and let's also point out they should have started they should have made started brew mccoy and Ramel keaton cedric tillman shouldn't have started that game he wasn't fast enough to get past those georgia defensive backs because of his injury no that's true and and i'll i'll add this too the reason I'm not as concerned, and I'm not going to sit here and pretend to tell you that I watched all, all of Southern California's games last year, or all of I watched more of TCU, but I, I, I will say this: I think the fact that Josh Heupel is dedicated to running the football could overcome a lot of these things. And the reason Josh Heupel's offense may be figured out, but I'm going to go ahead and tell you right now because of a point you made up months ago, Caleb. Josh Heupel's not going to be figured out. He adjusted his approach from his Oklahoma days. So if Josh Heupel, I mean, it's late in the year now, we're looking at the end of June, but if Josh Heupel looked down and he said, that I formation, it's coming back. And they've made rule changes where it's going to be run the football, control the clock. I do not. I know he's a former quarterback. I know he likes probably being called an offensive guru. Caleb, I don't think he would hesitate for a second to shift gears and do something that he's not completely comfortable with if he thought it gave him the best chance to win. The same thing with Philip Fulmer. I go back to that James Banks game at Georgia. I thought it was one of the best games he ever coached. The same thing at Miami when they ran the ball and slowed it down, played deep secondary. I think coaches ultimately want to win, and you can love running or throwing the football but I think both of those guys are smart enough where they wouldn't let that get in their way of winning the football game. And I think Josh Heupel, if somebody told him, you're going to win two national championships with an I formation, like he had a voice from God telling that in the middle of the night, you would see Tennessee run an I formation headed into not this year, but next year. Well, okay, yeah. If we're asking about Josh Heupel, I which agree is with you. Is fair, which is a different question. I kind of changed yeah. it up. You're right, a different question. So what we're talking right now is Josh Heupel's offense because an example of what you just brought up, that's Steve Spurrier. His fun and gun was figured out. I mean, you brought up that Chavis told you that they, he he thought Spurrier had been figured out by like 1998. And we heard Fred White talk to us last weekend that as he got older, people kind of understood that Spurrier's fun and gun was about throwing it to a spot. So if you remember, Florida scoring precipitously dropped as they played Tennessee the past few years when Spurrier was there. But Spurrier then went to South Carolina and was like, okay, I can use Connor Shaw or whoever you have a quarterback at that time. And I can be a little bit more of a run-oriented team. And I can use elite running backs like Marcus Lattimore. Net, who net, I mean, talk about a guy who deserved NIL money. But, and he was, and he went that route. 
and so I, I agree. I think Josh Heupel is that way. He's not fully committed to a system, whether or not it works. I will. I, the only thing I want to push back on, Dave, is so Heupel's system, we agree, is still very dependent right now. The system receivers have to be fast enough to get bare in the secondary, right? They do have to have a certain amount of speed. Okay. And don't you think that Georgia, you're right, was the better football team because they have cornerbacks that can match that speed. I just think teams are going to start recruiting more heavily for cornerbacks. And maybe they might start putting their best, the, the old adage that players play cornerbacks because they can't catch. And maybe you might have to start putting your fastest players at cornerbacks so they can hang with these guys down the field. And that might be how you switch it. And I also want to ask you. But you're sorry. still the reactive guy. On defense, in the secondary, you're reactive. And I'd rather be the active guy as opposed to the reactive guy. I think you're more yeah, likely to get slowed that way. As more people run this offense, more high schools and middle schools will start coaching guys to be reactive a little bit better. So you'll see adjustments at the cornerback position where maybe you'll have, and then in 10 years, we'll have a golden age of elite cornerbacks. Look at Tennessee. This is a, we talked about how bad Tennessee secondary was last year, but the year before they churned out a second round draft pick in Elante Taylor. I don't think Elante Taylor is a second round draft pick if he's not going up against Josh Heupel's offense every day in practice, which made him so much better. That's when... true. I, I think that this offense has come up from high school instead of vice versa. I, I think I think this offense has evolved. I mean, I've got a buddy who's an offense coordinator at a big school at, in, in Knoxville, and he was running some similar things literally 20 years ago. Caleb, I know that sounds crazy, but I think a lot of this stuff gets – kind of figured out at the high school level where the stakes aren't as high and then it moves up. The grand exception is how mummy who he coached his goofy offense and every school in Kentucky still to this day runs it. Why? I don't know, but I, I just don't, I don't see it getting figured out. I, I understand what you're saying about the long grass to me. That helps the, the players more uh, on, did, on offense. Do you not agree that the rain helped Georgia last year more than Tennessee? Yeah, but I don't think there's anything you can do about that. I think I think the rain would hurt the West Coast offense. I think that, yeah, that, if, Tennessee, if Tennessee's going to face 12 rainy days <laughs> this wait, season, I think it's a long season. That's what I'm saying, though. If the elements slow you down, you're saying it favors the receivers, but you could make the grass the elements where you kind of – if what you're saying is if the game slows down, it favors the receivers because it's harder for the cornerbacks to react, whether that be high grass or rain or whatever. Well, the cornerbacks with Georgia, it seemed like it was favoring them when they were playing Tennessee last year. I would say this. I think of the list of factors in that Georgia game, that rain would have been about fifth. I think it was – um, Georgia's a better football team overall, right? I think second is they they felt disrespected, which everybody tries to make their team feel disrespected, but they did because of the number one ranking. I think the crowd felt disrespected, and I could probably come up with two or three others. Stetson Bennett played lights out, and then I think the I think the rain was further down the list, maybe than you. Maybe that's where, maybe that's the common ground there. Okay, fine. I'm just saying theoretically, based on your logic, it shouldn't have even been a factor. It should have actually helped Tennessee. Right. So ideally, the, your best offense, which I think Josh Heupel is is working towards and closer than we think, is you can go out there. Well, th they did that. I mean, against, against Pitt and there was another team that they ran for more than they threw. I think 
I think maybe you're not giving Josh Heupel enough credit for having a solid ground game. Oh, no, I think he has an amazing ground game. But the, his ground game is what makes the whole offense go. But I think the passing game, it's the wide splits that's such a factor. The wide splits don't work without the solid ground game. I think we both agree with that. But you, if you got cornerbacks that are fast enough to hang with the receivers down the field, then this, the nickel and the safety don't have to they don't have to guess whether or not Heupel going to run the ball. Then they can just crawl the box to stop the run at that point. Very true. But if you got a guy like Jalen Hyatt or Tillman or even Ramel Keaton, who you, I'm not as high on as most people, but if you, if you have those guys, then you burn them over to the top. I would think, I would think that would be your answer. Be sure and like, and subscribe. If you haven't done that to this point, do it and take one second. Do me a favor. Take one second, whatever platform you're on, Turn your notifications on because next week is going to be be a huge week for our Celebrate 98 series. Jeff Hall is the latest up there, and he was really interesting. A captain that would go out and run 110s. Have you ever run 110s, Caleb? Nope. <laughs> Not fun. You run a 110, 110 yards as fast as you can. You have a 30-second break, and then you do it again. And then you have a 30-second break, and you do it again. And you do 10 110s. That's your summer workout. How fun does that sound, Caleb? That sounds horrible. That sounds absolutely terrible. I don't and want the to idea, do it. it and, and the fact that a kicker has to do that. Well, he wanted to. He wanted to be a part of the team. It was just it was super is, cool. He's the coolest kicker I've ever interviewed. No offense, Britton and Dustin Colquitt, who I like very much. All I remember is uh, Bobby Boucher's first day uh, practice. Uh, the water boy, uh, Coach Klon, is like, special teams, go farmer, friend, do some laps. And kicker's like, those not a curse word. <laughs> Should I share what kicker actually got into a traffic accident in a uh, apartment parking lot and bumped into a young lady with, with their car? And then uh, somehow turn that into uh, let's not call the cops. And instead, I'll just uh, spend the night at your place. Should I share who that is? Was it the same? Was it a kicker who got suspended? For I'm not another traffic have a fantastic <laughs> kicker. But I know that one from the girl's perspective, not the guy's perspective. <laughs> I shared that with Philip Fulmer. How the hell do you all find this stuff out? Have a fantastic day, everyone. He's Caleb Calhoun. I'm Dave Hooker. Don't forget, if you bump somebody in a parking lot, maybe doing a little bit more bumping. Have a fantastic day, evening, afternoon, morning, whenever you're watching. He's Caleb Callahan. I'm Dave Hooker. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Ch -ch 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 
ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChumbaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.